morning. I'm excited to share the word with you. This morning we are starting a brand new series. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be speaking about discipleship. Can everyone say discipleship? Now, I'm quite aware that when I say this, there might be a hundred opinions or references uh, for people who's been in church, who's come from other churches, or who's been here, that sees discipleship as something specific or what it should look like. And the heartbeat of this series is simply to remind us what true discipleship is all about and for us to align to that once more. And in the same breath, the next few weeks is a time of equipping where we believe we want to see you, the congregants, equipped in this journey of discipleship. It's amazing when you study the Word of God that it says that leadership is given as gifts to the church. And these gifts that it gives the church through leadership is there to equip the saints, the congregation, for the works of ministry. And that's really the heartbeat of discipleship from the start is that everyone gets involved and everyone has their part to play. And I'm excited about this. Discipleship is a value of every nation, some is the West. A value is something that you plan your life around. So I believe that you guys value sleep, therefore you're at the second service, right? Uh, maybe the people who attended the first service value food. And they still wanted to get their 10.30 Eggs Benedict special in before the rest of the day comes. You see, so value is something that you hold in high esteem, and then you would plan your lifestyle around that. And when we speak of discipleship being a value, we say we hold this in high esteem, and we as a church are going to build around what that looks like. And I'm excited to just remind us over the next few weeks with a team of people what this is all about. Discipleship is about reconciliation back to a, a great, loving, good awesome father it's about grace it's a free gift but in the same breath it's also a call to discipline it's a call to lordship it's a call to understand that you live differently as a disciple of Jesus than what the world would tell you to look like and to live like when we study the bible um, and this concept of discipleship throughout the new testament the word that is used is mathetis and this word means in essence, in light of following Jesus, to be a follower of Christ who learned the doctrines, not just study it or hear it, but who learned the doctrines and the scripture and then apply it in their life. Now, I quickly want to take a moment and explain to you the difference between being a student and a learner. A student is someone who studies a subject matter and acquire the knowledge. A learner is someone who gets the knowledge, but then applies it in their lives. For example, you don't study to swim. You learn how to swim, right? You can study all the books on swimming, and you're going to get in the water, and it's going to be really tough. But when there's someone like a parent or a swim coach to help you understand the living out of the concept of swimming, you are a learner. And when the word mathetis is used, it speaks about that. It doesn't speak about people just gaining knowledge and understanding something. It speaks about people who get the knowledge and then they practice it and they become good swimmers. So discipleship is an application of the very doctrines and words of Jesus and the entire scripture as we have it today. It's very simple. Um, I want to say this, that you are a mathetis, a disciple of something. Whenever you want to acquire a new skill, say it be running, um, 
and you say you want to be an ultra marathon runner and I don't know why people do that. It's a little bit crazy, but you're going to spend a lot of time thinking about this, acquiring the right knowledge, finding out which tackies to buy, um, what gear do you need, how do you exercise, should you have a running plan, do you just run 40Ks, or do you start with 1K and then next week two and then build up. But then you eventually mathetise all those knowledge by exercising it. And all of us are disciples of something. Whatever you value, whatever you put your mind to, whatever field of study you are invested in, you become a disciple of that. So discipleship is actually, or being a mathetise is actually something that every human already does. But being a follower of Jesus is the fundamental entry, bottom line of what it is to be a Christian. To be a disciple of Jesus first before we are disciples or mathetise of anything else. And my prayer is that we would become people who apply the word of God in such a way, as I said earlier today, that the city would ask, what's all this about? And we'd be able to say, well, it's all about Jesus Christ. The call to discipleship we find in the very words of Jesus. He said, come after me and I will make you become fishers of men. The call of discipleship at the bottom line and the most important is a coming to Jesus. It's a stepping out of your life and saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I will now follow you. I will start living the life that you have called me to live. I will start imitating your example and the very words you speak, I will apply in my own life. So discipleship is not coming onto peer or onto a church or onto a leader or a theological idea. Discipleship is saying, Jesus, I come to you. I'm gonna walk with you. You are the one that I'm after. You are my pursuit. In the morning when I wake up, I think about you. You are the greatest value in my life. My relationship with you is of utmost importance. You are what I'm after. That is the call of discipleship. And I look around this room and I, I see disciples of Jesus. People who said, yes, we want to follow him. We want to come to him. But then the second part of his invitation is once you come, there's a becoming. He starts working in us. He, his hands is upon us and he starts forming in us something that we weren't before. He says, once you come to me, you will become something new. You will be something else. You will be a fisher of men which means your life will now start being an example to others so that they will see the hope in you and will ask and you can tell them about me. This kind of takes the, the pressure off us to try and become fishers of men, right? Sometimes we feel like, I'm not the best evangelist. Dave gets up and he tells us, go and let's go do just one and speak to people. But I'm convinced the more time you spend with Jesus in coming to him, you will just naturally become a fisher of men. Then the life that you live and the, the road that you are on are going to give you opportunities to just witness of the testimony that you carry. And this is the beauty of discipleship. When we say, Jesus, we come after you and he does his work in us, we're going to walk and the world is going to see and we're going to be fishers of men. And that's the essence of what this is all about. It's important to note two things about discipleship. That it is a call onto a person. It is about real relationship with a real God, with a person, the person of Jesus Christ and the Father of the Holy Spirit, where there's 
true relationship, just like I have a relationship with Eliana, there's conversation, there's understanding, there's a mutual intimacy, there's a walking together. It's not a calling onto a system or organization or even, may I say, onto a church. What is a church? A church is where disciples who are called unto Jesus gather. But you are first called unto Jesus. And because you are called unto Jesus, you will gather and be formed the church. But we've got to understand that just attending a church service does not make you a disciple. You have to come to Jesus. You have to come to that place where you put your life into his hands and he is Lord over your life and your life then becomes a discipline and a certain way of living in how you follow him. Secondly, discipleship is ministry in the hands of every follower of Jesus. Once you come to Jesus, you will become. This means that you come to Jesus and you become his disciple and you start walking with him, but then he does a work in us and then every single one of us will become ministers of that work. Helena and I had the joy of going to the Greenpoint Stadium a couple of days ago. It's our 15th year wedding anniversary and we decided we need to go do something fun. So I was the good husband and I took her to an Ed Sheeran concert. Um, I'm saying that because I, I haven't really been a fan other than just knowing he's the guy with the red hair who sings a couple of songs. Um, but I'm a fan now after seeing him perform. It was quite amazing. But I was sitting in this, this stadium with 50,000 people and here is Mr. Ed with his guitar and he's doing his thing and for two hours he keeps 50,000 people mesmerized with an acoustic guitar and a couple of pedals and a mic. And that's it. It was amazing. It was, it was really magnificent. The way... He does his music really, really good. But I looked around the crowd and I thought, you know what? These people are all just students. There's no way Ed can multiply himself into the lives of these people. They might sing the songs and love it and it sounds good and it's a new pop song and, and you hear it all over radio, but it's Ed. It's his music. The only person in this church who might get close to that is Brian. We just, we just pray, pray for a whole lot of red hair and, and he just works really hard and he might be the Ed Sheeran of Every Nation Summers West. I think he's 90% there. Come on, he's a brilliant musician. <laughs> but they were all students. They were all students in the crowd. You see, Jesus never came to get a crowd and a fanfare. He never came to be popular and have hundreds of thousands of people just rock up and sit back and say, okay, Jesus, you're on stage. Come do your thing. He stands there and he says, I want you to be Learners, let me teach you that the very thing I do, you are able to do. The very way I live in, in the glory and the honor of the Father, you can do that. You see me laying hands on people and they're getting healed? You know what? You can do that. You see me walk around and someone who's got a demon comes to me for healing and I speak and there's life? You can do that. It's not like Ed Sheeran and we all just sit back as fans and like, ooh, this is great. And after two hours, it's done. And then what's the purpose other than just a great time? No, Jesus says, you know what? I'm calling you into this place. If you come to me, you're gonna become like me and you will be a minister. Therefore, it's important to know that discipleship is ministry in your hands. It's you becoming just like him so that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus to this world. The practice of discipleship is very simple. How do we practice this? 
three F's. It's follow, fish, and fellowship. It's to follow Jesus, to come unto him. It's to fish for others, to become fishers of men, looking at every opportunity. Those names we've written down a couple of weeks ago that we're praying for, the names on this board, God give me an opportunity to witness. And then it's us, the church, fellowshipping and coming together. And that is discipleship. It's as simple as that. It doesn't have to be a complex figuring out and process and these books and this and then, okay, now I'm a disciple. It is three things. Follow Jesus, fish for others, and fellowship with these believers. If we do that, then we are disciples of Jesus Christ, plain and simple. And this morning, I want to talk to us a little bit more about the idea of following Jesus. What would your life look like if you took every single word that Jesus said fully to heart and apply it completely? Just think about that for a moment. Your Bible might have red letters like mine, which is all the words of Jesus. What if you had to really study every line and fully understand it and say, now that's how I should live? Will your life look dramatically different than the way it looks now? I asked myself that question. I'm not just asking you. I thought, yes, Jesus, to be a true disciple means that I I look at all these things in depth and I apply it completely. And I want to get to a place where I follow you wholeheartedly. And that's our prayer as a leadership team for everyone that's part of this church. Don't follow Pierre. Don't follow Ricky, Michelle, Eliana, the leaders. Don't follow your life group leader. Follow Jesus. I, I love it when, when people come to church service and they leave the doors and they don't say great music or good sermon. I love it when they leave saying, oh, Jesus is amazing. God is changing my life. God is teaching me new things. I'm growing in my understanding of him. I love him more than ever before. A relationship with Jesus constantly leads to a greater love and understanding of him all the time. I honestly, and I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, but I honestly don't get it when people say it's boring to be a Christian. Because there's constantly all these treasures that we find in him. There's a constant calling and and more to discover. And sometimes I read the Bible, I'm like, oh my goodness, I've never seen it like that. That's, and and I'm like, this is amazing. So our prayer is that you would follow Jesus, that you wouldn't follow the plans and the direction of every nation, Somerset West. And yes, leadership is there in the church to put us on the track that God has us on. But our main purpose as leaders is to point to him and say, hey, follow your leader, Jesus. Follow his word. Fall in love with God, build your relationship with him, study this word. And that's the focus of discipleship for us. Let's read together out of Matthew chapter four. This is the first record in the gospels of when Jesus invited people to follow him. And I think if we look at this, we're gonna find out what Jesus' intentions are when he comes to us and says, will you come and follow me? The very first time that this has happened. Just prior to this, Jesus was born, and then there's a whole time of him just being a child and growing up, and then John the Baptist arrives. Many years later, the first prophet since the Old Testament starts speaking about Jesus. He's preparing the way. Jesus is baptized. He's being led into to the desert to be tempted by the enemy, and then the next moment comes, and Jesus starts proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God, 
And we're going to read that together this morning. Matthew 4, verses 17 to 25. I'm going to read from the ESV. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Lord Jesus, as we look at this story this morning, I pray that you would shine your light on it, and that you would show us the call of following you this morning, that you would speak to every heart and that you would be the one that call us unto yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. This is quite a fascinating story. Jesus began preaching, I'm sure by the time that he called his first disciples, I must have heard of this, this Jesus that's walking around proclaiming the kingdom of God has come. And his words were, repent, turn your life around Start living differently. Turn away from what you're currently doing. There's a new way of life. The kingdom of God is imminent. It has come. It is here. The presence of the kingdom is with us now. So it's good for you to start living differently. And the first thing we see in the call of discipleship, it is a God call. Yes, Jesus was God incarnate. He was God as a man. And he used the body of a man and he spoke through the mouth of a man and saying, repent for the kingdom of God is near. But backed by that was God the Father drawing people onto himself. There was a call beyond the words of what Jesus said to the hearts of the people that he was speaking to saying, you've got to turn back to, the, to your creator. You've got to turn back to the very one who made you in his image and who's got purposes and plans for you. Right in the beginning, he made you for relationship and something went wrong in between, but the kingdom of God is here and it's calling you back to him. So it is a God call. It is not just a mere human call. When we go out into the world, we've got to start thinking differently. When I tell people about Jesus, I should rest in the fact that it's God calling them, not Pierre. See, when, when we, we want to use our own voice, we start striving. Then we make church a place where entertainment is used. And we, we build this people-centered church where we use stuff to get the people in through the doors so that we can just say church is good. Nothing wrong with stuff, but are we calling people with our own voices or are we letting the Father call them through our lives? Are we resting in the fact that every call to discipleship is a God call? That he is speaking to those hearts. John 6 verse 44, Jesus explains this a little bit more. Jesus said to them, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
and I will raise him up in the last day. Jesus is saying it's not by your effort, by your ideas, by your great leadership, by all the things that you do that people come to me. It is by the Father's call on their lives and him calling them that they will come to me and become a follower of me. And then in the last day, they'll be raised from the dead and they will be with me forever. Isn't that amazing? Gives me such a sense of peace to know that we co-partner with God, that he is the one looking throughout our community into our families and saying, you know what, there's a guy that I wanna call and I'm gonna use Pierre's life and Pierre's words, but the call is through me unto the person. It's a God call, not a human call. Why do I say this? It's interesting to see the story. He called two brothers who were fishing and it said they immediately left their nets and started following. But then the the second story is almost kind of more interesting because you see John and James, the two brothers, the sons of Zebedee, sitting with their dad. They're busy doing their work. And Jesus steps in and he says, hey, let's find two brothers. You two, come and follow me. And then there's no dialogue according to this passage. It's not like, uh, Jesus, give us a minute. Dad, this guy's calling us. I haven't finished mending the net. Um, I kind of feel like I should go. And then the dad's like, no, no, no. Because it was a God call, something happened inside of them and they got up and they started following Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Think about it for a minute. They were there with their dad, their physical dad, and they, they just dropped the nets and like, okay, Jesus, here we come. See, because it was backed by a supernatural, out of this world calling of God that touched the heart of those brothers that said, come unto me, that they were able to let go of everything that they've been to that point and started following Jesus. And that's the beauty of discipleship. It's Jesus stepping into our lives and says, Uncle Joe, come to me. And then Uncle Joe can say, yes, I can. Everything that's held me back to this point, I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to start pursuing you, Jesus, because you are calling me. It's not man, it's God. Isn't that amazing? So it starts with a God call. God stepping into the lives of people and calling them the Father drawing people onto themselves. Secondly, and very importantly, it's a sacrificial call. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Up until this point, these brothers' identity was completely vested in being brothers and their dad teaching them how to fish. I can imagine that they were probably sitting in a boat that was meant to be their inheritance one, one day. They, all they know is this life of fishing. All they know is spending time with their dad, their physical dad, and, and doing the things that, that fathers and sons do together. And they had in that moment a decision to make. Are they willing to sacrifice, to let go of all of that and start following Jesus? And that's the way with all of us. When Jesus comes to us and he calls us, there's a decision to make. Jesus, will I let go of what I think it should be in order to say yes to you, to start following you in everything that you have for me? Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the one who died for me and gave himself up for me. That is the call of discipleship. 
It's saying no to peer and yes to Jesus. And when we say that, here's the beauty, we find a new identity, a new way of living that is much better than the old because the new has come and there's a new way of life. Then we truly find what we were created for. Again, I ask the question, why do people think it's boring to follow Jesus? Because it's really there that you become the best you, that you become everything that he has called you to be, that you become that son and the daughter of the most high God that gets to live a life with him. Now, it's important to just note here, discipleship does not mean that you stop your vocation and just start fishing for men. That's not what happened here. It wasn't that Jesus was just looking for people and said, hey, stop your work, now follow me. He used their environment, said, you guys are fishermen, right? I'm gonna teach you how to fish for men. He also had a tax collector on his team of disciples. And then there's some other guys that people are not quite sure what they did but it doesn't mean that you now suddenly quit your job on Monday and say, yo, my pastor said I should be a disciple of Jesus. I'm gonna throw down my net and just start walking about with Jesus. It's interesting to see that he found men who were busy in life, making life happen. And those are the ones he chose. He says, that vocation that you are currently in, let's align that and let's make it a place where you look out for others and make them become disciples of me. So this morning, you've got to remind yourself again that Jesus has called you for where you are placed. And it's in that place that you say, God, now show me how do I sacrifice my own ideas of what my business, my workplace, my career should be and start seeing it in light of how you see it and what you want to do through it. Jesus expounds quite a lot on this idea of sacrifice when it comes to discipleship. John 6, verse 66 speaks about a moment where Jesus taught the crowds. And he'd actually said that what he said was so big and heavy. And the people said, Aish, this is too hard. That some of his disciples actually said, we can't do it no more. And this is a sobering moment. I don't want to talk about discipleship and just say, you know what, accept Jesus and then just come to church and go to a life group. Jesus said, before you become my disciple, you should be like a man who's about to build a house. And before he builds the house, he sits down and he writes what it's gonna cost him and he counts the cost and then he says, wow, am I actually able to build this house or not? Jesus said in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the creator who was there at the beginning when everything was spoken into life, the one who made you, who's put the breath in your lungs. Every time you breathe, it's by his grace. Every time you breathe, it's by the grace of God. Think about that for a moment. You've just taken a breath. It's the grace of God. And he says, you know what, I've made you. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. Will you stop living for yourself? Deny yourself? Say no to peer? Will you take up your cross? Will you be willing to suffer in this life? Because it says that whoever follows Jesus will suffer persecution. Will you be able to take up your cross and follow me? Because through that suffering, there's gonna be a glory on your life that is incomparable to anything else. And then lastly, will you follow me? He's saying, do the math. Before you come after me, deny yourself, 
take up your cross, and then you can come and follow me. And we've got to be reminded that that is what discipleship is about. It's not just being in the crowd, the Ed Sheeran concert, having a great time and going home. It's actually counting the cost and say, Jesus, you know what? I am going to live for you completely. I'm going to say no to the way I think, to what I think is right, to my own intentions, to my flesh, to what I feel is good. I'm going to deny that. I'm going to come to the cross and I'm going to follow you. That's the call of discipleship. That is possible because of the God call. Because there's a father who's drawing you and then shows you what is the cost of discipleship, you can say yes to this. Because the output of saying yes to this sacrifice is a life that he intended for you from the very start. And we see it in the lives of the disciples. And I want to say this out of my own life this morning. There's not ever a moment that I look back on saying yes to Jesus. Never. Ever, 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 never, ever, ever, ever. I'm going to write an Ed Sheeran song this morning. There's never been a moment. And yes, has there been a temptation? Absolutely. Has there been moments where I say, ah, this is hard? Weekly. But once you find Jesus, the pearl of great price, the ultimate treasure that you would sell everything for to purchase, your life is on the best track ever. And you become a disciple of him and you start walking in his plans and purposes, you have an aha moment almost every day. Like, okay, that's what that is all about. That's why you would allow me to go through that. Now it makes sense. You are king of my life. You are all hell, King Jesus, through my life. It's a sacrificial call because of the God call. And then lastly, it's a purpose-filled call. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. He didn't just go to these four guys, first the two brothers and then the other two, and said, uh, you know what, will you come and follow me? And then he just left. And they're like, okay, yeah, let's follow him. He said, follow me and you will have a purpose. You will become something. You're going to become a fisher of men. There was a promise of what he was going to do in their lives. And this is what the word of God is all about. When we follow him and we study this, we see promise upon promise upon promise of what he still wants to do in and through our lives. And isn't that beautiful? It is purpose-filled. It's not just a, okay, bye-bye, Pierre. No more Pierre. Hello, Jesus. No, I'm going to let you grow into my character. I'm going to let you do things that you have never imagined. You know what? You're going to do more works than what I did. You're going to do greater things. This is what Jesus said to his disciples than what I did in this life while I was here because I and my ministry was three years but now I've got a whole army, the whole church to go out and do these good works. This is the purpose of what God has called these disciples into. We're gonna read the Great Commission again this morning out of the Gospel of Mark. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel of the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will, everyone say will, will accompany those who believe. Point. These signs will accompany those who believe. Not just 12. Everyone who believes forward, these signs will accompany them. What are the signs? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. 
They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. How can being a disciple of Jesus be boring? Maybe it's become boring because we don't believe in this anymore. Maybe because we've lost out on the purpose that when we're truly a disciple of Jesus, we will walk in his power and we will see people who are sick healed. We will see people who are demon-possessed being set free in our town, in our community, even in our families. The other day I was driving in town and I saw a demon-possessed man. I was in the middle of traffic. For a moment my heart leaped and I wanted to just jump out and go pray for him, but I had all the reasons not to. I'm just being very vulnerable this morning and honest. I don't have it all together myself. I'm still on this journey with Jesus too. So I saw this man and my heart was broken because he would literally walk and he would just, bah, bah, and you could see his body going into fits. No one cares for him. He's there by himself. He's lonely. A couple of hours later, the Holy Spirit arrested my heart. He said, Pierre, would you have stopped to go pray for that man if it was possible? And I said, Jesus, you've got to do a bigger work in me. I want to be so available that I could go up to that man and say, in the name of Jesus, because of the love of the Father, be healed and see him set free from that possession that is taking over his life. That's what discipleship is. It's never boring. There's a greater purpose for us to go into our communities and see this happen. I believe that God is calling us as a church into a greater season of this. We will go out and seek the brokenhearted, those who are captive by their circumstances, being set free because we live a purpose-filled call as disciples of Jesus. I want to say it again. These signs will accompany my disciples. It will accompany you. Pierre, how do I get there? I said it at the very start. Come to Jesus and you will become like Jesus. That's the call of discipleship. Come to him and say, I feel the call. And maybe this morning you've been around church and maybe you're following Jesus, but you're just feeling that call again, the Father drawing you. And you feel that. There's a God call. And once you get to that place of coming to Jesus, you count the cost and you ask yourself, am I willing to go all the way? Am I willing to say no to what I need to say no to? To cut off from the old way of living, the old way of thinking, the old way of doing? Am I willing to sometimes suffer for his purposes and his glory? And am I willing to follow him wherever he leads me? And when we can do that, we can step into the purpose. Then we become the fishes of men that he intended for us to be. So it's as simple as that. Discipleship is simple. Coming to Jesus and He will make you become a purposeful, powerful witness to the world around you. I want Brian to minister a song to us as a means of reflection. I thought about how to position this moment. And I remember when Helena and I once had the opportunity to meet uh, ex-president of South Africa, Evie um, de Klerk, at his house a couple of years ago when we did music for a New Year's event that he had. There were people from all around the world, powerful people. We didn't know who they are, but they were from all the nations, and they were all gathering, and we were the musicians, and Mr. de Klerk came across and wanted to come and thank us for our work, and I kind of always thought, what it would feel like to meet such a powerful person? Some of you might have met 
way more powerful people than what I did in that moment. But it was quite awkward, and we met him, and like, okay, thank goodness he likes the music. Let's just go on and finish the set and go home and say Happy New Year. Um, but I was quite interested in the fact that it was an anticlimax. I didn't thought it was going to be that, like, oh, I've shaken the hand of a person who's famous. But imagine walking into a room and it's just filled with famous people around a table. And then you look around the table and you see all these names. You can think of names. And then next to the one person, there's a chair and it's just got staves of gold. And it's yours for the taking. You can go and pack those, that gold in your, in your backpack. And then next to that, there's just a decree that says, whatever you dream, you may have. And next to that, there's an image of what you always wanted to look like or feel like. And around the table is Jesus, your creator, the one who loves you far greater than what you know. And he's just sitting there and he says, come to me. I will make you become. None of these things, none of these people can do it. Only I can. That is what discipleship is all about. Imagine for a moment your own life and ask yourself the question, do I want to take Jesus above everything else? It's as simple as that.